Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. Luke, chapter 23, is page 748 in the Pew Bible. 748 in the Pew Bible. We're going to look at Luke, chapter 23, beginning at verse 32. And we'll read through verse number 38. Luke, chapter 23 beginning uh, Luke chapter 23 beginning at verse 32 the other men both criminals were also led out with him to be executed when they came to the place called the skull there they crucified him along with the criminals one on his right and the other on his left and Jesus said father forgive them For they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. And they said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was written a notice above him which read, This is the King of the Jews. Let's pray. Father, we come today understanding that we are truly on some very holy ground as we talk about the cross. And I pray that as we look at these words of Christ, words of forgiveness, that they will will sink into our hearts and truly bring about a life change and we pray in Jesus name amen there was a Sunday school teacher who was in the middle of his lesson when suddenly a little ruckus broke out in the in the back row and so the teacher stopped and he he confronted them we said fellas what's going on back there and one little fella said he hit me well the Sunday school teacher thought This is a great opportunity to talk about forgiveness. And so he encouraged them. He said, now, Tommy, will you forgive Johnny for hitting you? And Tommy said, well, okay, I'll forgive him. And then hauled up and punched him right in the stomach. And the Sunday school teacher said, now, you said you were going to forgive him. And he said, well, I first needed to get even. You know, forgiveness is a great idea unless you are the one that has to do the forgiving. And I know that some of us here this morning, we've been in situations that have required a lot of forgiveness. In fact, might even say a level of forgiveness that is humanly impossible. You know, I've heard people say things like, As long as I live, I'll never forgive them for what they've done. Maybe you've even heard something like that. And after all, some offenses are so hurtful and they cut us so deep. Forgiving them just seems to rise to a level that is beyond our ability. And we all know that God commands us to forgive We know that forgiveness is good and it's healthy emotionally, spiritually, even physically. So how can we forgive those who hurt us 
so deeply. You know, last Sunday we started a brand new series on the cross. And now, starting today, I introduced it last Sunday. This morning, we're going to start by spending the next seven weeks at the foot of the cross. And we are going to listen as Jesus speaks from the cross. We are going to be upon the holiest of all grounds over the next seven weeks. We're going to listen to the seven things that Jesus spoke from the cross. Jesus said seven very forceful things that all of us need to hear. He spoke them because we need to hear them. This morning we're going to look at the first thing Jesus said from the cross. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Now before we get into the sermon, before we get into the text, let me define forgiveness. In fact, the word forgiveness that is found in our Bible has really the idea of releasing, letting it go, as we would say today. And when you uh, look at Jesus and his parables, Jesus often would illustrate forgiveness with a parable or a story about someone, about someone who uh, had borrowed money that the lender literally cancels the debt of the borrower. That's how Jesus describes forgiveness. That the lender cancels the debt of the borrower. Now with that in mind, we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at forgiveness. First of all, forgiveness and our Heavenly Father's presence. And then we're going to look at forgiveness and our Lord's example. Now, the PowerPoint this morning is going to look a little different than your sermon notes, but that's all right. They're very similar. I did adjust it. You know how sometimes at the last minute you make some changes, and I kind of did that. But this morning, we're going to look, first of all, at forgiveness and our Father's presence. Notice with me the first word that Jesus speaks from the cross. What is the first word Jesus speaks from the cross? Father. Father. His eyes are on the Father. He knows his Father is present with him. He's confident that the Father is listening. And his suffering, his wounds, his pains never cloud his sight of the Father and the Father's presence. Even though one of his disciples has betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver, another disciple has denied him three times, the other disciples have abandoned him in fear of their own lives, and the crowd are mocking and scoffing at him, he never loses sight of his father. He remains confident that the father is with him. In his situation. And the words that just flow naturally from his lips are, Father, forgive them. I mean, Jesus has been scourged and beaten and crowned with thorns. He bears scars in his hands from the nails and, from the, and, and his feet from the nails that have been driven through them. And yet, he is still focused on the Father. Not words of wrath, not words of judgment. But the words that just flow so quickly and easily are, Father, forgive them. 
And let me mention, by the way, these words, the word forgive, the word forgive in the Greek is a tense of verb that uh, suggests that Jesus repeatedly makes the statement. When the soldiers are driving the nails into his hands and driving them into his feet, he says, Father, forgive them. And when the religious leaders are mocking and scoffing and saying, he, see, he, he saved others, he can't even save himself. Jesus looks up and says, Father, forgive them. And when the crowd come by and they spit on him, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. When man was at his worst, Jesus prays his best. Father, forgive them. Because he never took his eyes off the Father. Even though in his darkest hour, even in his greatest suffering, his eyes were on the Father. And the words that come so naturally are, Father, forgive them. By the way, did you know that Jesus is actually fulfilling prophecy when he makes this prayer? It is a prayer. He's praying, and he is fulfilling a prophecy. It's the prophecy that we looked at last Sunday in Isaiah 53. The last verse of Isaiah 53, 53, 12 says, For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That is exactly what Jesus is doing here. He is fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. As he intercedes for those who have committed such a grave and terrible sin. You know, some of us here this morning, I know some of us. We have scars from things that people have said to us. Some of us here have been deeply wounded by things that people have done to us. And it's at these times that we need to sort of rise above it. Keep our eyes on our Father so that we too can be as forgiving as Jesus. That we might even be able to say with Jesus, Father, may I forgive them as you have forgiven me. Because when man is at his worst, we can be at our best. In fact, Jesus commands us to be at our best. You know, Jesus said we are to bless those who curse us. And pray for those who mistreat us. And never are we more pleasing to our Father. Never are we more like our Father. Never are we closer to our Father. Than when we can lift up our eyes and say, Father, may I be as forgiving toward them. As they, as you have been towards me. There is forgiveness in the Father's presence. And so the first thing we want to notice as we look at forgiveness, the Father's presence. There is forgiveness when we walk in his presence and our eyes are on him. Now let's look at the second thing. Second of all, I want to look at forgiveness and Jesus' example. Let's read the rest of it now. Jesus says, Father, forgive them for... They do not know what they are doing. Now, 
don't misunderstand what Jesus is saying. It's not that those who are crucifying Jesus, it's not that those who are there are ignorant of the wrongdoing. I assure you, they do know. Judas, Judas knew that what he had done was wrong. In fact, later on it says that he took that 30 pieces of silver and he gave it back to the priest and he says, I have betrayed innocent blood. He knew what he had done was wrong. Pilate knew what he had done, what he had done was wrong. He even says, I find no fault in this man and yet he still sentenced him to death. Pilate knew that he was guilty. Of sentencing an innocent man to death. The members of the Sanhedrin. They knew they were guilty. They had brought in false witnesses. Paid them money. To make false accusations against Jesus. They knew they were guilty. They all knew they were guilty. Here's what they didn't know. They did not know the gravity of their guilt. Because they did not know they were crucifying the Son of God. The Apostle Paul makes that statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 8. Paul writes this. He said, none of the rulers of this age understood. He's talking about the wisdom to understand the way of salvation. God's plan of bringing salvation. Paul says, none of the rulers, talking about Pilate and Herod and the Sanhedrin, they did not understand it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Their guilt, oh, they were guilty. They knew they were guilty of some wrong. But they did not understand that their guilt was far greater than they could have ever imagined. They were guilty of the most horrific of all sins. They were guilty of the most horrendous thing that mankind had ever perpetrated on this earth. Crucifying the Son of God. And yet, Christ reaches out to them and offers forgiveness. You know what that tells me? I think that what that tells us is that there is no sin which cannot be forgiven. I mean, if crucifying the Son of God, if that is a sin that can be forgiven then you tell me what sin cannot be forgiven. Any sin and all sins can be forgiven. Sometimes people say, well, I just don't think God could ever forgive me for the things that I've done. You know, one time a lady came up to R.C. Sproul. I don't know if you know who R.C. Sproul is. He's a very well-known Bible teacher, uh, a man who's written more books than I've read. He had a, a nationwide radio program. He started a ministry called Ligonier Ministry. He passed away about two years ago. But a woman came up to him one time after a conference, and she said, Dr. Sproul, she said, I just don't think God could ever forgive me. She said, I, don't, I can't even forgive myself. You know what he said to her? He said to her, the reason you're not forgiven is because you haven't confessed your greatest sin. She said, what is that? He said, your pride. Your pride. He says, you are so proud, you are unwilling to accept God's charity. You see, all sins are forgivable. For those who are willing to lay aside pride 
and receive God's charity. All sins are pardonable. All sins are forgivable to those who come to Christ and accept his grace. I mean, think about it. If, if Jesus would forgive Pilate for falsely sentencing him to death, forgive, um, forgive the Sanhedrin for bringing in false witnesses, if he's willing to forgive the crowd for, for mocking him, and, and he's even willing to forgive the soldiers for driving the nails into his hands, if he was willing to forgive them, how much more will he forgive us? For our sins. And by the way. Not that our sins are that much less. I think. If we really understood. The gravity of some of our sins. We would realize. We're not much better. Because let's face it. Our sins put Jesus on the cross. Just as much as. The Romans and the Sanhedrin. And Pilate. And all of those back then. Our sins, I think in many ways, we are just as guilty. And when Jesus prays, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing, he is including all of us in that prayer as well. We are forgiven. And by the way, Jesus then went on and died on that cross so that his prayer could be answered. Because in dying on the cross, he paid for our sins and his prayer is answered. Now, let's just move one more step beyond that. If God will forgive us of all the sins we've ever committed, how much more should we be willing to forgive those who sin against us? Or like the little boy who always thought that the Lord's Prayer, you know, he would listen to the Lord's Prayer. He always thought it went something like this. And forgive us of our trash baskets as we forgive those who trash our baskets, you know. And, you know, if God can forgive us for all the trash in our basket, how much more should we forgive those who put trash in our basket, so to speak? In fact, Jesus offers, he offers forgiveness to all. And we as well should offer forgiveness to all. In fact, we're commanded to. I think it was Martin Luther who used to say that forgiveness is God's command. But let me give you another reason why we should be forgiving. Not only does God command us to be forgiving, we should forgive because of what it does for us. It is healthy. It is good. It frees us from the bondage of bitterness and anger. It frees us from that grudge that we sometimes carry around. It frees us to move on with our life. Forgiveness able, enables us to move forward. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with a, a young man. He's in his early 40s. <laughs> to me, it's kind of young. And his, his children now getting ready to go into be teenagers. And I've known him since he was a child. Known him since he was a child. And I knew that he grew up in church. And so I asked him. I just happened to see him. And I asked him, by the way, where are you going to church now? And you know what he said? He said, I haven't been in church since I was 16. He's 40-something. You know what he said? He said, my parents, and I knew his parents very well, my parents made me go to church every Sunday, and I hated it. 
And I swore when I grow up, I'm not going to do that to my children. Now, he thinks he's freed from religion. But let me tell you something. He's not free at all. He is in bondage to a grudge, to anger, and to bitterness. Someone has said, letting go of a rattlesnake might help the snake, but it benefits you just as well. (laughs) And one of the best reasons that we forgive is because it benefits us. It releases us. It releases us to move on with our lives. So can we be forgiving? Even under the most difficult circumstances? Yes. Why? Because number one, we are in the Father's presence. And let me tell you, there is always forgiveness when we walk in the Father's presence and our eyes are on Him. Another reason is because of Jesus' example. He sets the example. If he can forgive those who have put him on that cross, how much more ought we to forgive those who commit such really small sins against us? So here's, our, here's what I want us to take home with us today. Our Father's presence and our Lord's example enable us to forgive others. That's what our take-home truth. The Father's presence and our Lord's example enable us to forgive others. Now, one more thing. And I want to make something very clear. Jesus offers forgiveness. He's offering it from the cross. But not everybody embraced his forgiveness. We have no record that Judas ever embraced the forgiveness that Christ extended to him. No evidence of it. There's no evidence that Pilate ever received the forgiveness that Christ was offering to him. There's no evidence that the Sanhedrin ever accepted the forgiveness that was offered to them. But on the other hand, there were some who did accept that forgiveness. For example, remember the the thief on the cross. One of the thieves looks over to Jesus, and we're going to look at this next Sunday, and he says to Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. That was one of those, one man who embraced the forgiveness that Christ was offering. There was another one. The centurion. There was a Roman centurion at the foot of the cross. And when Jesus died, you know what he said? He said, surely he is the son of God. So there were some who embraced the forgiveness and some who did not. And if you have not been forgiven of your sins, it's not God's fault. Because the ball is in your court. He is offering you forgiveness. He is building a bridge of forgiveness, but it's only for those who are willing to humble themselves, lay aside their pride, accept his charity, and cross that bridge of forgiveness. Have you done that today? Have you embraced the forgiveness that God is offering you? And are you willing to forgive those who trespass against you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how thankful we are 
that Jesus, the first thing he says from the cross are words of forgiveness. And we all need that. And we thank you for the forgiveness that you give to us through Jesus Christ. And may we too be as forgiving as he. If you're here this morning and you've never been forgiven, you've never sensed the forgiveness of God in your heart and life, right now, would you ask God for the faith to believe in Christ? Would you ask him to forgive you and embrace Jesus and the forgiveness that he's provided for you? Just talk to God just for a minute. Just talk to him. Father, we thank you for this grace of forgiveness. We thank you for Jesus who provides it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.